Hello and welcome to Tribal Voices from the Pandemic. My name is Leonla Nelson. I currently work at the Shibrock site for Johns Hopkins Center for American Indian Health. Um, Tribal Voices from the Pandemic is a series of, a, of panel discussions with Native leaders that is a collaboration between CORE, Johns Hopkins Center for American Indian Health, and Protect the Sacred. The series is designed to amplify Native voices and bring attention to the impact of the COVID pandemic on Native communities. Um, and let's get started with introductions. We'll start with Peggy. Uh, Buju, everybody. Uh, I'm Peggy Flanagan. I'm the Lieutenant Governor of Minnesota, and I am a member of the White Earth Band of Ojibwe, and I'm really honored and humbled to be able to spend some time with all of you. Uh, look forward to our conversation. Thank you, Peggy. Next, uh, we'll jump to Kevin. That is our traditional greeting in Lakota. I shake your hand with a warm, good heart. My Lakota name is Close to Earth, and my English name is Kevin Killer. I'm currently the president for the overall Lakota Nation and a former member of the South Dakota Legislature, and it's an honor to be here today with everyone. And thank you to the panel for setting this up, and thank you to Ellie Young for inviting us. So appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. Next, we'll move to Gwendina. Uh, good afternoon, Gwendina Lee Gatewood, Tribal Chairwoman of the White Mountain Apache Tribe um, here in Arizona, and we are in snow, and uh, we have internet issues. So in case I kind of look like this, I've, I've got internet issues, but glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And Freddie. Not Siamma Nostalgia, so he look when a snat tacho tikaya Siamma Nostalgia, so kidab, so kidab, Santa Snat. It is uh, true, my heart is glad to be here with uh, each and every one of you around our virtual fire and uh, just really appreciate the the panel and the invitation to, to sit amongst a, a great distinguished group of American Indians. So, Hashka, thank you. Thanks, Freddie. All right, let's move into our first question. How has COVID-19 impacted your community? And um, we'll start with Peggy. Oh, well, um, you know, I think we all are still determining how it is impacting our communities because we're still in it and uh, we're living it. Um, uh, as a enrolled member of my tribe and someone with strong ties to the urban native community, it has been um, uh, difficult to see the disproportionate impact of COVID-19 on our, on our communities. Um, but it's also been uh, interesting uh, to be in a role um, where I've been part of the response uh, to, to COVID-19 for the, the state as a whole. And I would say this, um, you know, in, in Minnesota, we've been really intentional to measure what, what we care about. Um, and that means disaggregating our data and making sure that we have a real sense of um, COVID infections, hospitalizations, and uh, deaths by race. 
Um, and that what we've learned by disaggregating that data, and will come as no surprise to the folks on this panel, um, but that we know that the Indigenous, Black, and Latinx communities have um, really, uh, uh, you know, experienced the highest rates of ICU uh, visits, as well as um, death due to COVID-19. But the thing I think that is important to lift up in this moment is that um, we have 11 Native nations uh, that share land with the, the state of Minnesota that fall within our borders. Um, and the relationship that we've had with the tribal governments um, that we established early on in our term um, has been really important uh, because we've been able to work in partnership with the tribes. We had daily calls uh, for the first several months with tribal leaders, then weekly calls, um, and have learned a tremendous amount from tribes and how they've responded with regards to um, their, their enterprises, their businesses, and serving the community. And in particular now, um, watching how Indian country has been ahead of the curve on vaccination distribution. And that's another thing that we have the opportunity uh, to, to learn from. So um, it has been difficult but one of the, the bright spots has been our partnership with tribal nations in the states and our ability to work and learn together. Um, uh, I don't know that we would have gotten this far, uh, frankly, with, without it. Wow, that's, that's really great. Thanks, Peggy, for, for, that, for that response. Um, does anyone want to add anything? Um, yeah, this is uh, Kevin. And uh, I think, you know, just, just coming into the space because um, you know, we had an election, so I, I was kind of new to this area, but I was I was paying attention. And I think that's the one thing, you know, as uh, elected officials, you're, you know, you're kind of charged with this task. But what do you do when you're an incoming uh, newly elected person into the middle of a pandemic? And I, I think one of the things that I learned right away is to, you know, reach out to, you know, our public health uh, groups, public health um, community and all that. And. And uh, luckily, you know, I want to give uh, a lot of props to our vice president, uh, Alicia Musso, who um, who helped, you know, she comes from a medical, well, she, she has a doctorate in psychology, but she also is, has somewhat of a, a medical background. Um, and so it was just being able to kind of work together, you know, and I think that's probably the biggest thing that, you know, with COVID-19 is teaching us and helping us realize that, you know, we need to as tribal nations, tribal communities, we need to figure out ways to work together. Um, and I, you know, that's been one of the, I guess, if there is an upside, upsides of forcing us to work together where we should traditionally haven't. Um, and, you know, this coming in, and I, and I think it kind of served as a wake up call, you know, for a lot of our communities and, you know, not, not that we didn't have it already, especially with some of the underfunding of IHS and all this kind of stuff, but just really showcase and shows about, uh, how underfunded and how under-resourced our health care system is, you know, and being in a rural place, being in a rural environment, mm -hmm. um, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in an urban space or a rural space, this, you know, hits across all boundaries. And I think that's one of the, the biggest things that, that um, you know, our tribe's realizing, but um, but yeah, that's the biggest thing is that I think it, it's really helping us work in different ways too, of how do we deliver uh, medical care? How do we deliver advice? You know, even now, just meeting in person, uh, you know, we didn't have to travel all the way to DC to have this panel. I mean, we could do it from our homes and stuff. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, it, it, so there's, there's, there's been some, 
you know, upside, but also just a lot of downside. And I think one of the, the biggest losses that we've seen is, um, is this the impact it's had on our language speakers? You know, we lost some of them. Our traditional knowledge keepers, we lost, we lost some of them. And and just trying to figure out, you know, um, there there's both good and bad in this, but it's overall, it's just it's been just really a learning experience. I'll add to, uh, you know, thank you. I, I totally forgot to mention to you, I'm a former uh, Lummi Tribal Council member, and um, I, I just finished my first term. And uh, I'm not sure how many, how many years uh, uh, my fellow uh, panelists have had on council. Um, my father was the chairman back in the 60s and 70s, and so politics isn't nothing new. Uh, but but uh, for this being my first term, and and you know remembering um, you know how strong and resilient and indigenous we are, you know we we we're 352 days since declaring a public health state of emergency on March 3rd. We're 333 days uh, since declaring shelter in place. And, um, you know, so it impacted the tribe. You know, uh, we're seeing uh, right now uh, an incredible surge here at Lummi Nation. Uh, um, All of our information is at Lummi Tribal uh, Health Center. Uh, on Facebook, but the just the you know how um, you know there's no playbook, and and in a way I'm kind of glad I'm not on council because I'm I'm still helping the community. I don't need to I don't need the position or title to to be a community leader, and uh, you know we really look at uh, my nephew Dr. Dakota Lane is also the medical director at the tribe and. And so, uh, let me, i not sure if the other tribes have uh, public health codes, but we <laughs> just initiated one the year before, uh, the year before COVID hit. And that's what's really driven our, our response. Uh, that's what's really driving uh, us right now. Uh, uh, just as Kevin mentioned about, uh, you know, going after, you know, IHS is 150 years old. Uh, I was taught in our community, you know, we gotta we gotta learn to lobby. We gotta learn to teach our people to write letters and call our congressmen and call our senators and say we need help. We don't have internet for our kids to go to school. Uh, these are real facts in in the you know the 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 21st century in the greatest country that's in the world. And all I you know again you know we survived smallpox. We survived. Uh, we survived uh, the boarding schools. We've survived the, the you know, the the pandemic a hundred hundred and two years ago. You know, so we're we're still here, and and I applaud everyone. We're you guys. We're all doing astitipsin in our shalang and our way of life. Astitipsin is we're doing the best that we can. So, um, and just to add to that, at White Mountain Apache Tribe. It has impacted our community significantly. We have about uh, 18,000 tribal members and of that 22% were affected uh, up until from April 1st to uh, the latter week of last week, our our count was about 22%. And that's three times higher than the reported uh, for the rest of the United States. And so 
it's been a challenge. We, we have one small hospital in a rural community we call Sibiku, uh, and then we have our regular Indian Health Service in White River. And we have impact, we have an impact because our housing, we have multi-generational housing. Grandma, grandpa, auntie, cousins, you know, cousins living with mom and dad and their children and grandchildren at a time when you're supposed to be socially distanced, all of those things create uh, issues. And then uh, notifying our tribal members uh, due to internet issues. We have one radio station. And if that radio station were to go out, how do we get notice to the people? And then sometimes grandma doesn't have a radio, you know, so that adds to the problem. Um, and then law enforcement issues. Uh, we, we would do lockdowns for our tribe and we have a limited number of police officers. Well, when you're going to implement a lockdown and you're mandating a small force to go out and patrol, obviously you're not going to get everybody, you know, to, to listen to your, to your lockdown and then have, and alongside of that is um, the state highway that goes through our reservation. There were many times where our tribal members were like, why can't you just shut down the roads? That's the most easiest thing to do. But when the jurisdiction of that state highway is not within your control to shut down because it's a major form of transportation for people, um, you can't really close the road. So people would still go off to, you know, metropolitan Phoenix or to our neighboring towns. And so when, when you're doing a lockdown and, and you're trying to control the spread, that, that posed a challenge as well. And then um, schools being shut down, you know, um, that, that just really impacted everybody and it still does. And the college kids that came home during the holidays and we were on a lockdown, chairwoman, I have an assignment due, we're on lockdown, but I have to get to a place where there's Wi-Fi or internet. Can I leave? You know, that poses a problem. So those things, and then shutting down your businesses, um, shutting down the casino, the casino is like the main anchor for our reservation and it supplies a lot of our resources for our people. So when you shut that down and you don't have any re revenue coming in, that's a problem. And then during the summer, we also have recreational uh, things that people can come and do, fishing, camping, what have you. And that's a source of revenue for the tribe. And when you shut that down, then again, you don't have anything to depend on. So um, it's been a real struggle. And our elderly population, we set up uh, isolation quarantine sites, thinking that elderly could stay there. But bless their hearts, they don't want to leave home. They, they want to stay where they're at. And elderly are a little bit more hesitant to just pick up and leave their house to go stay somewhere else for a short period of time, which is why I'm very thankful to the core program with Johns Hopkins University and partnering with our tribe, our enterprises and housing to build those shelter units for that purpose, they can stay near their own home. 
So though, you know, those have been very significant challenges and the challenge to our cultural ways. When someone dies here, it was custom to stay up with the dead and have wake services. Then you make it where you can't have that. You have to just go straight and bury them. That sends a a message in a way to those that don't understand what's going on, that we're being disrespectful, even though we're not, we're, we're trying to control the spread here. And that was a challenge. And it was a challenge to also tell our religious leaders that we couldn't have church, you know, where people could go and congregate, that you had to do virtual religious meetings, like how we're meeting right now. So you, it, it, the list goes on. But but that that was pretty significant. And, um, you know, we still have our problems, but we we need to get um, the vaccines out there so so that we don't see an increased problem. We can start to manage when COVID first came out. Everybody was in a reaction phase. What do we do? We don't know about this virus. Everyone was just scared. Uh, anxiety, all of these feelings. But the more we got to know more about how COVID is and and how we can uh, combat it, it gets to a a managed state. And I believe that's where our tribe is right now is that we're, we're learning how to manage it even more. So yeah, Um, great points, Gwendina, and you brought up the vaccine. And let's 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 get into that um have you or anyone um any of your friends relatives colleagues received the vaccine and how has that experience been did you want me to start oh yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) okay yeah Um, you yeah you you brought up the vaccine i think it's a good it's a a good okay well i i was the first tribal leader to get the vaccine um granted there was johns hopkins who was who they were doing the Pfizer vaccine trial. So somebody that, uh, ahead of me was the first one on our reservation. But for as a leader, I was the first one to get the vaccine. And uh, my friends, my children have gotten it. Um, they, they have had different reactions. The first one didn't bother me. The second one, boy, I, I was out just with body aches, chills, and just all over achiness. And my children have experienced the same with the second one. And a majority of people on our reservation just through social media who comment about how it has affected them has been similar. I've read some that went a little bit more deeper into uh, how it affected them, uh, which is a little bit more worse than what I described. But besides the sore arm, a, a headache, and and just achiness, I'm glad that that's all that it was. And um, my son kind of put it in perspective for me. He said, "Mom, I'm getting the vaccine because I'd rather feel like I'm dying during the side effects of the shot than to die." And I'm like, "That that's an excellent point." And so um, it's it's been. Um, quite a learning experience, just seeing how people react to it. But overall, you get over it in, in a day, and then you're you're good. So, thanks, Gwen, Gwendina. Um, does 
Peggy, do you want to share any experiences you've had with the vaccine or your family or friends? Sure. Um, and I apologize. You might be able to hear my dog uh, wrestling with oh. a, a tennis ball and a sock in the, <laughs> in the background. Um, but <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> uh, I took my mom uh, to get the vaccine uh, on Monday and um, it was a really uh, powerful moment. And I didn't, um, I didn't know how emotional I would be uh, about it. Um, we haven't been able to spend the kind of time that we usually do uh, together. And so um, it was really a step towards um, more cuddles and kisses with grandma and sleepovers and um, time together. And, and uh, I think you know, that um, that was important. Uh, I've also been able to um, uh, travel to some of our vaccination clinics. The Native American uh, Community Clinic here in Minneapolis is doing an incredible job. Um, they have been uh, reaching out. They've got deep relationships with their um, with their patients and have an approach that is deeply rooted in culture. Um, and so as they have been vaccinating um, community members and primarily uh, folks over the age of, of uh, 55 um, so far. Uh, they've also been giving them um, traditional foods and medicines, um, and that's been important. And I think uh, being able to communicate with the non-Native community that when we have incentives for our community members to be vaccinated, to come back for the second dose, um, that that's totally appropriate and absolutely what we should be doing, I think is has been uh, important. And for us, um, from the state perspective, uh, we've been working with uh, federally qualified health centers um, that are serving primarily our communities of color, which has been uh, really important uh, as well. And we, we've we been doing that before the Biden-Harris uh, administration encouraged people to do that. So that made me feel good that we're kind of ahead of the curve there. But what I would say is, you know, the way a tribes in Minnesota had an opportunity to decide if they were going to get their vaccines um, from uh, from IHS and from the feds or if they get them through the state. And it kind of shook out to be about half and half. Um, but regardless, what we're seeing is that when tribes have the ability and self-determination to determine where these vaccines go, um, they're getting it done and it's happening. Eighty five percent of elders on the reservation up the White Earth. Um, have been vaccinated. And that's because they have multiple sites across the reservation. Uh, the old Shopco store is where they're also vaccinating people. Uh, anyone who has home health care, aids or assistance in their home, they are allowed to then vaccinate those folks who are in their care. And anyone who can't get to the um, to the, the sites to get vaccinated, they'll send someone out to, to do it in your home. Um, so I just think that that's a, a thing that um, sometimes we see people, maybe non-Native folks in public health, who are like, how are they being so successful? And it's like, well, we know our communities. And so my hope is also that what comes out of this is trusting communities more to do what they need to do for themselves and government or other folks kind of getting out of the way. Um, and uh, I am now up and eligible uh, to be vaccinated um, through my tribe. And I will absolutely be doing that. I'm not asking anybody to do something that I am not willing to do. Um, so we'll go back home and, and get that vaccine and uh, uh, it's gonna be a good day. 
Um, I, I can jump in and, you know, I, I did get the, I think the, the Pfizer vaccination and that was about two weeks. So I, I, I need to go get it, but um, yeah, you know, it's just been remarkable again, you know, just want to shout out all the work that, you know, our vice president has been doing around this because she just kind of, you know, jumped in and uh, know what kind of knew what needed to be done. And this is her first term in office, I think. So both of us were kind of new to this space. But I think with that, you know, we bring kind of more flexibility and just different ideas of ways to do things. And, and you know, and she, you know, I was, um, you know, one of the things that we were trying to figure out is how do we um, make this more community oriented? And as the Lieutenant Governor was mentioning, is that how do you bring this vaccination to people? Because the area that I, I, uh, represents in the southwest corner of south dakota but it's three million acres and, and so it's a huge uh it's a huge space and being able and we have around uh around uh forty five thousand enrolled tribal members about ten thousand pending so we got a huge tribe um and we're just trying to figure out ways that we kind of work both both uh on reservation and off reservation because i think that's one of the biggest things that we're trying to figure out how do we make those partnerships? How do we make those opportunities uh, for people? And, and you know, and I think one of the things that, that we're really seeing is this, you know, just this overall participation in the system. I think we we prioritize, not, that was one of the, the good things about, um, about, you know, letting tribes prioritize who gets like the one A, the one B, the one C, because immediately both, you know, the, Vice President and I and other members of council, you know, we, we said, okay, well, let's put our, some of our, our knowledge keepers on this list as a 1A because, you know, we, we saw what was going on. And I think that's one of the, 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 the disheartening parts is that you see, you know, some, uh, some couples who, pat, you know, one of the, the members of the couple passed away, but the other one gets the vaccine, but, you know, they just kind of left in this, Word space that you know this person would have held on for a little bit longer, or this would have something would have been different. They would have been eligible, you know, and that's kind of a reality that we have to face. And um, you know, and, and I think that you know that I didn't get any reactions. I don't think none of my staff got any reactions. But we're going to the second phase right now of our shot. So hopefully, um, you know, we'll still stay good and all that, you know, all that. But I think it's just it's just been. Um, a way to you know give us the flexibility you know as the lieutenant governor was mentioning is, is provide us the flexibility to do what we need to do and we'll do it you know and I, I think that's something that that you know is this is a good learning example and this is a good um good uh thing that we could take to members of congress and because every time we had a congressional update we, we were you know whether it's republican or, or democrat we you know we talk about our sex successful vaccination results, you know, to our members of Congress. And I think that, you know, so, you know, regardless of how they feel about it, we want to make sure that we share those stories. With them. And, and also just to add with, um, you know, the, the, um, in here in Clactamish territory here on the Lummi Indian reservation, uh, we have, uh, well, uh, nationally we have 5,364 tribal members here on the reservation. Uh, we have just roughly over 2,500, so half our tribe lives here. But uh, what uh, what I've been helping to do with, as you know, as a former, uh, as a community leader, I guess I should say, is I've been helping uh, some of the foundations. Our Clactamus Foundation 
is doing a wonderful job. It's it's called uh, the Hulami Resilience Program. And the Hulami is the original way you say Lummi. So we wanted to integrate our our what we've done in, you know, our, our from our language to today with the our, our, our modern American English that we speak, but uh, we started a campaign online and, and, and some, uh, a lot of our elders were even getting their pictures taken with the, you know, the Sharins going and they'd post it and, and we'd ask them, you know, we, we, we want to help get people vaccinated so we can get back to normal. So we all know that life as we once knew it changed. That is a fact. Life as we knew it is never going to come back. But what we've done is, is we're helping and helping our elders, helping our, our frontline workers. Um, you know, I, I'll just be honest. There's some frontline workers in our community that refuse to vaccinate. And uh, I, when I heard about it, you know, I, I just sent a, a kind message and said, you know, you're, you, you, you shouldn't, uh, you know, I understand the hesitancy because I was the same way, but then at the same time, you should do it. And so that's a part of our campaign, you know, mask up, get your vaccination, protect your elders. And, and, and so that's what, you know, we, we're really seeing a lot more uh, of the vaccination vaccinations would run out every week. And so we're really seeing that, that trend kind of, really change where it was a couple of handfuls and now it's just one or two people that might go off on on Facebook or go off on the Lummy page talking about how they're not going to get the vaccination and here's why and they'd start this drama but it's like you know okay we're we're all in this together and so mm -hmm. I think that is the, well I don't I don't think we have to remember what's in our blood and in our DNA and we have to remember that our ancestors knew that we were coming. So, Heishka, thank you. Yeah, Freddie, you brought up a good point. Um, and I liked hearing about, you, you know, doing a campaign with your elders and trying to show everybody, you know, that this is safe. And even Peggy, you know, like, I'm not going to do anything that, um, or I'm not going to tell people to do something I wouldn't do. And I know the chairwoman got hers as well. Um, so just kind of talking a little bit more about that. Uh, what what is the overall acceptance do you guys feel like in your communities of COVID of the COVID-19 vaccine? Um, and what do you see as barriers to getting um, herd immunity? You want me to start again? Sure. I, I just kind of, you know, I, I appreciate um, this great dialogue. Uh, it, it just, it, again, it reminds me of uh, bless his soul, Chief Salih, he passed this year, um, but we've had three elders die. Uh, we have 409 cases now. When I left council, we were at about 71 cases back on November 3rd. So look at the, just in the, in the last three to four months. And, um, but having those three elders pass, that's devastating that hit home, that was probably the largest, you know, funeral procession I've witnessed in my life. 
nobody got out of their cars. Everybody just came. That's kind of how our funerals are. But it's, but, but seeing that and then seeing, um, hearing a relative because take care, take care of the, you know, the families. And so the exception, the acceptance again is, is on the rise. And I guess really having a, you know, we're, we're asking our tribal members to, to be the example. We're asking our elders to, to help us be it. Can I take a picture of you getting your shot? Just, just that simple social distance. We have big community hall and, and, um, you know, their, their concerns are, of course, uh, when I first got on council and my nephew, Dr. Dakota Lane said to the council, we're going to start these Pfizer vaccine trials. This was probably June or July and whoa, it just, you know, it was a, because it took it, you know, what, what we can't forget is the historical trauma that's in our DNA. It's in our blood. It's in our genes of, of what the government, what the church, you know, we have to say it like it is and, and what happened to our people. And so that was a whole, it, it, it just, there was so much pushback, but after, after that was all said and done, everyone got behind the science and they were listening to, to, to what, you know, our former president got us into and didn't act. I mean, if there's blame to go around, uh, you know, we, we got to call it like it is, but all with that, with the, you know, the acceptance now, it's like we're running out of vaccines. So I think it, I'm really glad to hear the administration, you know, really, really helping us. You know, I, I think one of the things that, you know, we're just seeing like with um, the community health acceptance is, is this like information sharing. And I think that's probably like, you know, what, what was previously mentioned about the, the, um, what Mr. Lane was talking about was the, uh, you know, this historical trauma around vaccinations because, you know, it's used on our women and to start for forced sterilization. And, you know, that's not very covered. That's not covered very well for either African-American or Native American communities. And usually when you bring that up, because I remember, you know, when we first started talking about this, I think we had a reporter from the LA times call me and I told him about it. And that's, that's the first he ever heard about that, you know? And I was just like, oh, wow, you know, it's kind of, it's pretty uh, interesting that, that, you know, people, again, you always have to constantly teach, but also, again, just build that trust amongst our community and, and show it and document it and, and just really begin to um, just, just share what information you have. And, um, you know, also just, just put it out there. And I don't know if I can do a quick screen share on this, but, um, you know, I was going to show you the, our, uh, report that we have, um, oh, well, we got disabled, we got it disabled, but it's okay. But, you know, it was, it was, um, we do these reports that come out, you know, and this basically goes by each one of our districts, it lists all the statistics, you know, like we have the positives, we have all this kind of stuff. But now recently, you know, we talked about going into phase two and, and, uh, you know, we basically got through phase one, which was one A, B and C. But now we're, we're doing this this rollout in uh, communities. And so now, you know, uh, you know, we got this this vaccine actually rollouts. Uh, we have a mobile vaccination clinic in uh, five different sites this whole week. And, you know, they range all the way from like because our service unit in Pine Ridge, um, you know, we have this little community called Red Shirt, but Red Shirts uh, 
almost about, I would say an hour, hour away from Pine Ridge, so roughly 60, 70 miles. But, you know, we're doing a, a clinic there today. So, you know, obviously, you know, we're beginning to understand how to do this. And, you know, as of, as of 12, 16, 21, um, we have 2,880 COVID um, uh, vaccinations available. And so just the, the statistics and being able to understand that, you know, and get this information and almost in a real time uh, thing. And I know that we've vaccinated over 4,000 people so far of our population. So it, it's, it's growing, you know, and I think people are, are going to be more open to it, especially, and, you know, it's always the first round and being the first uh, people to be the test subjects. Um, but, you know, when there's nothing wrong with you, you know, I think that's kind of relieves people's uh, misfears or fears around the shop. And, but also this shows that, hey, you know, we're just getting the shot to care for one another. And I think that's probably, uh, you know, that, that's probably the best way to go about it, so. Yeah, I, and Freddie also talked about that too. You know, you're doing this for you, you're doing it for your community. And I think that's that's something really special, like as Native people that we really believe in, you know, it's not just us, it's, it's not about me, it's about everybody else. Um, so I really appreciate you guys sharing that. Um, I know we've talked a lot about what's been going wrong or what are some of the challenges, but what are th what are some things that have, um, what strategies has been happening in your community um, that has been most effective in combating the misinformation and reaching members of your community who still might be skeptical today, tomorrow, next week about the vaccine? Uh, you guys could talk about that. Could you repeat the question? Sure. What strategies have been most effective in combating misinformation and reaching members of your community that may be skeptical about the vaccine? Over at White Mount Apache, there's been um, a challenge of misinformation, a challenge of, of people getting their sources of information elsewhere, people posting on social media their own opinions, and then someone reads it and then they tell grandma, this is what this person said, but that person who wrote it may have been just, you know, they, they didn't have the credentials, let's say, to bring up the science of, of the vaccine. And then the other challenges we have had is um, from a religious standpoint, uh, people saying, I don't want the vaccine because that's the mark of the beast that somebody in the religious organization here started saying that and then people started to say hey i don't want that that posed a a, a tremendous setback in terms of people beginning to decline getting a vac vaccination and so we, we had to evaluate how we can correct that um, issue. And what we did was um, we, we wanted to have a prayer day. So I asked um, a traditional healer and, and a religious person to come to our radio station and talk about the vaccine because they, these are people who, who have the trust of the people. And one of the religious leaders was an elderly man who was very well-respected, renowned, who just came out and, and just did scriptural references about trust, faith, and hope, and um, to trust the vaccine that despite 
other sources telling you that this is bad. Everybody's been praying for an, a solution and an answer. And, you know, and, and the creator is a miracle worker and the creator gives us answers. And when our people have been pleading for that, here's that medicine. And that's exactly what the traditional healer said when, when he spoke on the radio. They, they weren't in a setting where um, one could hear the other what they were saying. It wasn't like that. So it really um, brought everyone together and, and um, to be more unified. And then uh, when I got the vaccine, when I got it, I'll tell you, I had people looking at me wherever I was, like at the grocery store. And, and, and I was like, hello. And they would be like, um, have you started feeling weird? Do you, do you feel, you know, kind of like the, the misinformation of what might happen to you? And they're like, um, in the middle of the night, do you, do you see, you know, this? And I'm like, no, they just were looking at me like, is something going to happen to her? Is she going to grow extra, you know, this or that? And after a while, they're like, oh, you're, you're still the chairwoman. You're, you're, you're okay. And so I said, yeah, it, it's okay. And then reemphasizing why it's so important and, and to getting that vaccine. And, and that's been a challenge. And, um, you know, j- just, trying to tell people that what you hear is, is not always what it is and the science behind it. When I get on the radio as chairwoman and doing my weekly radio address or on my Saturday Facebook show, uh, my role um, is, is to deliver the information and to deliver it correctly. And, and that approach of when I speak my language, I, I want to convey I have a rule where I tell myself, I have to explain this in a way that an elder can understand what I am telling them. And if they can understand, everyone else can, can, can get it. And uh, it, it's, it's been quite a challenge, but I'm, I'm open. It, it's that misinformation, how, how we can go about uh, that strategy of combating that is just being transparent, just talking about it all the time, allowing the people to ask questions and letting them see, oh, it's okay. Like yesterday I was at a vaccine clinic and there was three little elderly women just standing there. And then they saw me and they're like, we're scared to get the vaccine, but then we don't want to leave because we don't want to get sick. And I said, do you want me to go in there with you? And they're like, yeah, could you walk us in there? I said, absolutely. And I said, you know, I got the vaccine and I'm okay. Why, why are you afraid? And they were like, going back to that, what I told you earlier on that religious uh, reference. And I, and I said, you know, uh, the scripture of, of how that happens, it's not in that order. And, and so, you know, you have to rely on your, on your faith. And if you get this vaccine, have the faith that it'll help you and the hope will come, will be there and you'll be okay. Getting this vaccine will protect you 95% 
versus 0% if you don't get it. And they're like, oh, okay. And I had to explain it in a way like, you see the coat I'm wearing and we're standing where it's snowing. This coat is helping me stay warm and, and not get cold from, from the snow hitting us, right? And they're like, yes. And I said, the same thing happens with this virus. This vaccine is like your coat. You're wearing a coat so the, so the virus can't come at you. And they're like, oh, okay. And I said, so it's very important for you to get the vaccine because you'll be wearing your coat all the time so that that virus can't come through. And they're like, oh, okay. And I said, it's better that way to be like that than to have without your coat. Do you understand? And they're like, yes. And it was just like this, this relief of, I get it. Thank you. And then they just went right up to the chair and they rolled up their sleeve and I waited for them. And when they were done, they were like, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be okay. And I said, yeah, you, this will help you. And, and they left. And I said, other people that are hesitant, tell them that it wasn't, that it was okay. And then I checked on them. And they, the only thing they had was a sore arm. So it's all yeah. about communication and being transparent. Wow. What a beautiful story. <laughs> Peggy, any, any thoughts there? Well, I think the chairwoman really, um, really captured it that each, uh, each individual community is, is going to need to, to determine, right. How to communicate best with, um, with their community members, um, and meeting people where they're at, walking them through their fears, getting to the other side, being compassionate and kind as we're having these conversations, remembering that past trauma and how, you know, that comes up in a whole bunch of different ways for us, right? So being conscious of that, I think is, is really important. Um, you know, we have seen uh, some hesitancy, of course, um, but what we've also seen is that the more people who get it, the more people are like, oh, like the chairwoman said, if she, if she got it, I can get it. Um, and I think the power of social media right now is also really key as we have, um, you know, larger vaccination sites. Remember, uh, you know, just seeing a whole uh, a whole bunch of my my girlfriends who are up at the, you know, Leech Lake who are holding up their vaccination cards. Right. And like, you know, and, and people starting to post who they got vaccinated for, um, I think is a, a really powerful thing. Um, and it's going to take just reminding people. And I think that you know, this has come over and over again. We're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for the people that we love and care about and for our community. Um, and, you know, I think that, that that is at the heart of how we've been able to combat COVID um, has been reminding ourselves who we are and where we come from um, and just coming back uh, to that, that place over and over again. Uh, and I think, um, and I think we'll get there. I feel, I feel hopeful and I feel hopeful for this moment again, where non-Native people are seeing the success of Native communities as it comes to vaccinating our own communities. And um, uh, that brings me a lot of hope too, that we can teach uh, the state and federal government a little something um, about uh, how, to, how to do these things uh, correctly uh, and in a good way. Yes, yes. 
And Peggy, just want to throw that back up to you since, uh, you know, we're talking a lot about the future and, you know, hope and all that kind of stuff. What are you anticipating for life after the vaccine? And if you want to share any any final thoughts, I know you have to hop off soon. So let's see. Sure. So I'm going to hug everybody. <laughs> um, I miss hugging people. Um, and I think that that has been like the hardest part of this whole thing is stopping yourself, right? I care about you, so I'm not going to give you a hug. Um, I'm, I look forward to that. Um, I can't wait, uh, to, um, go to powwows again, and hopefully we can do a little bit of that this summer. Um, give my kid a dollar and send her off with their cousins to go do her thing, right? Like that's, um, you know, that's, uh, that's what I'm looking, uh, I'm looking forward to. Um, but also, uh, just remembering, um, remembering what has happened. Uh, uh, so far and, and bringing that forward. I think Freddie talked about that too, about knowing that we've been in, in a place like this previously. Our ancestors and relatives learn from it and we get to do that same thing here and pass that, you know, pass that on and, and pass that forward. So we're figuring out where these gaps are and now we can fix them. And uh, that's a, a really powerful opportunity. Um, but, you know, I lost my brother really early on uh, to COVID. Uh, he was the second person to pass away from COVID uh, in the state of Tennessee in March. So I have watched this entire pandemic, um, you know, through the lens of uh, being a sister. And so um, that's something that's important to me too, as we're talking about the vaccine or whatever else we're, we're doing to, to heal and recover from this, um, that this is personal for me. And I know so many of the, the folks in our community as well. Um, and that for all of us bringing our whole selves into this work as, as, as people who are trying to, um, protect folks, um, from, from this virus is what is needed and necessary, uh, in this moment. So, uh, for, for having me, um, and for all the leaders on this, this call, I am grateful for the work that you do on behalf of our people, uh, every day. And again, just really honored and humbled to be in this space with all of you. Thank you. Thank you, Peggy. Um, anybody, anybody else want to talk a little bit about what their thoughts are about what what um, what they anticipate for life after the vaccine, and then any any final thoughts as well? Yeah, I, I can jump in. Um, you know, just real quick because I, I got to run too. But um, you know, I, I guess just two things, and, and to the chairwoman's point, and to the lieutenant governor's point. Um, you know, I think the other part of it around positive messaging is that understanding that, you know, our ancestors actually um, negotiated for that right for us to get that vaccine, you know, and I think that's, you know, through treaties and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, that's that's one of the most powerful displays of treaty rights ever, you know, of being able to save your generations, you know, seven, you know, seven, seven, you know, almost 100 years later or 150 years later, you know, because of that foresight and because of that understanding and all this kind of stuff. And I, I think that's something that, you know, uh, again, is, uh, you know, if you want to tell young people, okay, well, what was an example of treaty rights is the COVID shot, you know, being able to save your community, being able to, to understand, uh, you know, th this is our right. And this is who, you know, like any non-native member who got that shot and working in our communities, you know, got it because of our ancestors, you know, and that's such a powerful statement and a powerful realization. Um, and, you know, this, I think looking forward, uh, you know, again, is just like the, the Lieutenant governor said, is just being able to interact with people and, 
Um, you know, and that's one of the things that my sister said, who's my campaign manager, Kim, and she, she, uh, you know, I said, I'm, I'm giving people hugs anyway, because this times is crazy. And this times is, you know, ridiculous. And, you know, it's like, I remember the last time I, you know, like we lost our, our former vice president, just this last, um, just, I think it was in the fall or I'm sorry, December, uh, with COVID complications. So, you know, it, it's, it's, an, it's been crazy how it's just been impacting us, but, you know, we just need to, again, take care of each other, you know, just be good relatives. And I think that's one of the things that um, I'll leave the panel with is just being a good, good, uh, being, being a good relative and just understanding that, um, you know, just take care of each other to uh, just honor each other by, you know, doing these shots and, and honor each other's existence. And, um, you know, just, just, um, you know, just be kind to each other. Cause I think that's the one thing that this whole experience is that we live through is just, you know, being a good relative to each other. Cause at the end of the day, we don't know how long um, we got on this earth, you know, or this time and all this. So, so yeah, but with that, you know, thank you again, um, you know, Ellie and uh, protect the sacred and uh, John Hopkins for organizing this and I appreciate it. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, yeah. So with that, I'll, I'll end it. So thank you. I hate to throw a wrench in the, um, our, our recovery. Um, you know, I had a question come from an elder the other day and, and, uh, she goes, okay, I got my shots. Um, but what is this South African strain? What are they talking about? A UK strain? What, what is that? And, um, I usually have answers to, to, questions if my elders are asking me i'm not an elder i might be a junior elder but um you know it was just one of those questions and um i i i hate to say it, it's a reality check question too with uh the vaccines and again that I, I don't want to feed into the you know the the negative uh, narrative of it but you know these are real questions that our our professionals are going to need to to answer for, uh, you know, people like me, so I could tell my elders in the community, well, if I get vaccinated, um, you know, and I, I, you know, it just was one of those things I had to share it because, you know, it's, you know, February 18th, 2021, we're not looking at, uh, you know, gathering for, you know, we have our big Stomish water festival and canoe journey every year. And, you know, and, and, um, you know, I, I, I think what, it, it, you know, looking at the, the word that's behind me, it, you know, strong, you know, our Indian people, we, we need to be strong. We're stronger together. If we were that little branch, and, and you could break a little branch, but if you get a whole bunch of those branches, that's where our strength is in our people, with our nations, with our allies, with our fellow tribal members. And, and, and with that strength, you know, our, our, we, we really need to educate our, our young people on what is your treaty right. The, the United States government has a trust obligation and so I think if there was a message I would share with with young people, I'm 52. I'm still I, I'm 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 just a barely even coming on eldership with my gray, but you know that what what uh, Kevin mentioned just before he was talking about the treaty right, the trust obligation. Do you know what self governance is? 
do, do you know what how the history of Indian Health Service is? And so, you know, I, I was just thinking about that. What am I, you know, what are we, what am I anticipating after, you know, the vaccine and life after uh, COVID? Um, yeah, canoe journey. Yeah, continuing to educate our young people, continuing to pass on the, the knowledge that we have. I heard it from my elder just before I got on the call. She said, don't be stingy with your knowledge. She raised her voice at me. Don't be stingy with what you know. You never know when your time is going to come to pass and that knowledge is going to go with you. And, and so I think that's real important for our young people. We're, we're doing this campaign right now and, and it's all about educating. It's all about hope. I, I shared that with the council a year ago. Our people don't have any hope. We don't have internet. We, we have food bank once a week. Uh, you know, our casinos are closed. Our businesses are stuffing. My neighbor down the road, small business is suffering. So that's what I'm going to do as, as a community leader is help speak up for, for my neighbor, for my, for my relatives, for for my brother who sells smoked salmon down the road and doesn't have any money coming in, you know these are these are real issues that um, I hope some tribal leaders are really looking out and 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 um, really really having that uh, resilience to to put politics aside and and remember we're we're all going to get through this together and I, that's what I always used to say. This past year is we're, we're I can't wait to see you guys. I can't wait till we have this panel at National Congress of American Indians in Washington D.C. sometime and and just share that. I, I just love that because we we need to continue to talk about what this important work that's coming in twenty one and here in the twenty twenties. So, Heiska, thank you, Freddie. Chairwoman, any any last thoughts and. What are you looking forward to? Uh, I am looking forward to uh, the people being able to um, have a little bit more less stringent um, things going on in their lives. Uh, I'm looking forward to when kids can be in school and that they can have their life back. And with that being said, children are our closest relatives and with our closest relatives, all of us have an obligation to help the children. Um, we've never been through a pandemic ever, all, uh, you know, the, everybody. And this worldwide pandemic um, has highlighted the need for swift communication. And how do we do that in a world where technology is an issue? We need to get our native uh Native reservations to have that access of broadband, just like the rest of the United States. The people that don't have water should have water. Uh, we have to have that <clears throat> equality with access to resources in, in that instance and um, carrying accurate information. And for indigenous people, you know, we, we think of uh, diseases that always, we're, we're always having to fight for something. No matter what, you know, we 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 are in this fight, uh, combat, and there was a time that I look back and I remember what my dad and mother used to tell me, and um, that my dad used to always say, you know what, 
don't get too comfortable with with all of this technology because someday you're going to have to return back to the old ways of planting the old ways of how you're going to survive because that cell phone, you know, and he did not like cell phones or anything to do with technology. And he said, that cell phone can't feed you. So when all the stores don't have food, how are you going to get your food? You have to go back to learning how to plant, learning your medicinal herbs, learning the whys of, of why, you know, why we need this particular food. And uh, we, we, we are going to go back to that. I am telling you is what he told me. And COVID has in, in a way set the stage for that because our people need access to food and they need access to water. They need access to the things to help them survive when we're being threatened by this COVID and uh, we need to remember the, those teachings. And we need to also teach our children right now while they are young so they will never forget what we told them and begin those teachings so that they can carry that with them. Because we're trying to equip them with skills so that they can handle what challenges come before them. We want our children to be strong, resilient, have that courage, confidence, faith, and hope. And we do that by instilling in them the teachings that we were taught by our grandmas and grandpas. And we're helping them to develop into these strong citizens so that when they are our age, they can have that confidence to take care of our people. Just like we were given the same tools in our lives to now we're, we're, on, we're on that stage. We, it's our responsibility. And, and history through time Things have been passed on down the line. And now that we've have technology and, and all of this other things, a part of our history and who we are, we're, we're, I can see some, some, some are starting to forget that. And, and that's an unfortunate. But as long as you have a, a tie to, to your, uh, where you come from, your, your roots, you know, your, your, your foundation, you're going to come back to that. And that's your anchor. And, and, um, you know, it's never too late to learn learning now yeah. and, and you teach one another will make you a stronger force. So if each of the, our tribes, imagine each of the tribes, each one is like a river and we all join to make one unified force. Imagine the impact that we would have. And, and that's my, what I look forward to as indigenous people, we come together and we rise up and, and, we, and we continue to be a, a force. And that force for good, that force through prayer, that force of, of survival of what we, it's in our DNA, surviving, we're going to get through this. And the creator will bless us and continue to bless us as long as we do our part and, and we're doing our part right now by, by telling our story and, and people will pick on, pick up on that and we'll be blessed for it. And I, I look forward to that. I look forward to the elders and their, their wisdom because they are our wisdom keepers. We want to protect them throughout COVID because we don't want them to leave early. 
We want them to enjoy the remainder of their years. And then we have that obligation of being the beneficiaries of what they're going to teach us. And we carry that just, just like we, uh, we were advised earlier that we, we have this knowledge and knowledge is power. And, and we expand on that so that we can become an even greater force. So thank you so much. No, thank you. And I think that's a beautiful way to, to end our discussion today. And again, thank everybody and all the panelists for, for joining our, our discussion today. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for inviting us to your virtual fire. Hi, Scott. <laughs> thank yes, you. thank you. Thank you very much from the White Mountain Apache Tribe. Thank you to everyone that's listening. God bless you all. Continue to maintain that hope, faith, and prayer. And may your homes always be blessed with goodness and that we, we get stronger despite what COVID has brought us and that we remember that family is strong and we're all one big family. We're a big indigenous family and, and no one can ever take that away from us. So, yeah. Blessings from Lummi Nation. ACM, thank you.